Happy Father's Day and good morning. I am uh, double excited, second Sunday in a row. I'm, um, I'm loving this, actually. And so I want to do something real quick. Um, I just want to pray for you, and I want you to pray for me. Um, and then we're going to go from there and just see what God does. But I want to do something else, too. Uh, I want to pray uh, for our Tupelo campus and our campus pastor, Andrew, who is a not only a co-worker in ministry, but a friend. And so I want to pray that the Lord is going to move through him this morning, and not only as he moves through here and through me, as I pray for you, pray for me. Let's also remember to pray uh, for our brothers and sisters at our Tupelo campus, and just that we allow the Spirit of God to move in a real way in this place. So uh, let me do that and then we'll get started. Father God, we pray, God, that you will come and just sit amongst us this morning. That God, you will allow uh, your spirit to move freely among those uh, who are believers. But God, I pray that you allow the spirit to uh, stir the hearts of those who are here that are away from you. And God, stir the hearts of those who are here that need you. And God, they may not know that, but I pray that this morning that you show them that. God, we love you. I pray that you will uh, speak through me. I pray that you will speak through Andrew. Uh, God, as we share uh, this beautiful story that you placed in the Bible for us, in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. So today is Father's Day. And so if you're a father, there are little cards in the front, in the seat in front of you. Get one of those out, and if you fill out your name and your phone number and place those in a bucket, we're going to draw uh, Monday morning and see who wins a trip to get a free trip to our men's conference that is coming up August the 11th. Uh, if you sign up and you win it and you can't go, then that's a perfect opportunity for you to give that to maybe a man that you know that you want to go. So fill that out. That's going to take care of, uh, of your cost for that, that uh, this uh, conference. And so we're excited to be able to do that for uh, maybe one lucky dad who's going to win that. I went last year, totally life-changing. So don't forget to fill out a card, and you can drop it in one of the buckets in the back, and then we're going to put those and mix them up. I'm going to put on a blindfold and have them spin me around like 12 times, and then I'm going to grab one. So it's going to be pretty awesome. So fill that out, sign up for that. It's an opportunity maybe that you'll have a chance to go. And it's just an opportunity for us to say, hey, we love our, our men in the church. We love our dads. And I know Father's Day and Mother's Day is, are all the same, and there are so many different scenarios that what a father looks like to you. It may have been a grandfather. It may have been an uncle. may have been a pastor. may have been a friend may have been a stepdad. There are so many different avenues of men who feed into this. And so if you know someone like that, maybe your father's not here anymore, uh, then you have an opportunity. There are men that have fed into your life. Hey, let them know how much you feel about them today because uh, it's much more than just uh, what we think of when we say Father's Day. And so because I know of several men who are not my biological father but have fed into my life. And so I always think of them during this time of the year. All right, so we've been in Ruth. And t speaking of Father's Day, we're gonna t we get to talk about Boaz today. We're going to learn about Boaz. And so, uh, guys, it's going to step on our toes a little bit. It stepped on mine and I was as I was reading about Boaz. But if you missed last week, we're in the book of Ruth. I'm going to give you just a quick preview of what happened last week. Basically, 
Naomi and her husband Elimelech up and moved from Bethlehem because of famine and moved to Moab, which was a pagan city. And when they got there, her husband Elimelech died. And then 10 years later, uh, her sons married two Moabite women, which was also bad. Not only were they living in a pagan place, but they married two women who were Moabites, which would have been against what they were supposed to do. And so because of that, uh, or some scholars believe because of that, God's wrath fell upon them, or it could just have been a coincidence, but her two sons, Chilean and uh, Killian, or, and um, who remembers? I'm drawing a blank right now. Malin, there we go. Thank y'all. Golly. All right, whoever said that, come up here. You're taking over. <laughs> this is going to be great or scary, whichever one. And so what happened is the two sons died. And so there, she's left there alone with her two daughter-in-laws. She then hears that there's bread again in Bethlehem, which the town literally means house of bread. So they find out there's bread and she decides to go back home. Well, the two daughter-in-laws decide that they want to follow her, but she does everything in her power to turn them away. And the one daughter, Orpah, she does. She leaves and she goes back. She basically kisses her goodbye and says deuces. And she goes back to live in Moab and, and live a Moabite life. But Ruth is so stirred and so um, a, a part of what Naomi has, has lived her life in some way, but she doesn't want to leave Naomi. And so she clings to her and she gives her the most beautiful words of where you go, I'll go, where you die, I will die. And so she stirs Naomi in such a way that Naomi, Naomi can say nothing else to her. And so Naomi and Ruth leave and they head. And so where we left off last week is they are returning and they're getting into Bethlehem. And as they walk into Bethlehem, everybody's going, is that Naomi? And she goes, don't call me Naomi. My, my name used to mean pleasant, but now it means bitter because the Lord has dealt with me harshly. And so she said, I left full and I'm returning empty. So Naomi literally felt like there was nothing for her and so now we're going to pick the story up to where we are in Bethlehem. And here's, here's the weird twist. Not only is this rough on Naomi because she feels defeated and bitter and that God is against her, but she's also bringing uh, an alien with her, like an, uh, um, uh, an immigrant from another country. And so she's coming, not only that, but Ruth is coming to a place to where she's not going to be accepted Hey, we see this in our culture today, and, and I'm not going to get into all the inner workings of that, but uh, she's, a, she's an immigrant. She's from another place, and she's coming to a place where these people don't like her, and so there's a potential danger for her. There's a potential that she's not going to find a husband because no one is going to want to marry a Moabite woman. And so as we see them come into town, we're going to pick up in verses 1 through 7 in chapter 2. It says, Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, go my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. I want you guys, if you have your Bible and it says happened to, I want you to underline that real quick. We're going to come back to that, but I want you to underline that and put a little note, happened to. Come to a part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was part of the field, I mean, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, 
the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, she is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She, she said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. So we, we get a small glimpse of the first time of meeting Boaz. Boaz is riding in, and we know, and this is the first point I want you to take home about Boaz, Boaz was a God-led man. Now, how do we know that Boaz was a God-led man? Well, in verse 1, it says, Naomi said to the relative of her husband, a worthy man. And so that worthy literally means that not only was he, uh, had good character, but also meant he was wealthy. So now just because you're rich doesn't mean you're a good person, but it, it notates just that he was a worthy man. Now, when I think about that word worthy man, and I think about my two daughters and, and my sons, and I go, all right, they're going to have to be pretty worthy to walk up into my house and, and want to marry any of my children. And, and I'm, listen, I'm all about uh, giving everybody an opportunity. Uh, and if there's any young guys in here that are my daughter's age, if you pull up and honk outside of my house, well, let's just say don't pull up and honk outside of my house. First of all, if you pull up and honk outside of my house, there ain't nobody home. We'll hide from you like you're Jehovah's Witness. He was a worthy man. He was somebody that, that, that you would have wanted to, to meet your daughter. He's somebody that you would have wanted. Hey, listen, this is Father's Day, and, and I'm not going to come down on me because this is supposed to be our day, even though Mother's Day gets a whole stinking like, weekend. It's like, if you ever look at the ads, it's like Mother's Day weekend sale, and it's like Father's Day <laughs> sale. That's all we get. We get a day. But so I'm not going to hammer down on you, but I want us to listen to these words and, and maybe what I'm saying may not strike your heart, but, but listen, I'm hoping the Holy Spirit will lean on you enough to say, hey, I need to look at my own life. We need to look at this like a mirror. When you look in the mirror, and, and, you, and, and we need to mirror ourselves in this, and it says, he was a worthy man. He had character. So I want you to ask yourself this question today, men. Are, are, are you a person of character? When no one's watching you and no one's around you, is your life, does it show character? Boaz has had to because it was so well, it's documented. Like someone literally wrote about Boaz because of his character. And then in verse 4, it says, um, And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. And so when you see this, the Lord be with you, it, it's, he's acknowledging the Lord. He's acknowledging uh, his, his, say, I mean, his God. He's acknowledging him to his workers. And then the workers, I want to hit on something here because I, this hit me this morning as I was kind of rereading through this. They responded and said, the Lord bless you. And I thought about that. Have you ever worked for somebody you didn't like? You don't have to raise your hand because your boss may be in here. I, I worked for a guy one time when I did landscaping, and, and I did not, I mean, the guy was my foreman, and I did not like anything about him. And I used to grumble and badmouth that guy any chance I got when I was 16, 17 years old, and, and, and he irritated me. Like, I, I didn't like seeing him, 
And, and then I thought about something. Now, if he would have been a man like Boaz and he would have been a godly man and the way he treated us, we may have thought differently. But then I thought even on my own end, the Lord bless you. Because if I would have been praying for the Lord to bless him, that's job security for me as he continues, his business grows. That's, that's where I work. And so I want that to be a place because if they're blessed, I'm blessed. And so Boaz is this kind of man that he, he speaks and he acknowledges those around us. And so our kindness and how we speak and how we treat people should, should mean something. And every job I've ever had where if I've ever gotten mad at somebody and said something you know, to them that, that I felt like was off hilter, I've always had a, a like my heart would like, like, hey, no, you need to go tell them that you didn't, that, you know, you're sorry. You need to tell them why this irritated you, and you need to tell them, like, hey, I was out of line. Because I feel like that just shows character. So as, as a man or woman in any place that we have in that way, we should treat others the way that we should, we'd want to be treated. And so when we see this from Boaz, he was a God-led man. Now, most of you already figured out by now, but Ruth and Boaz are going to get married. We're going to get to that in later chapters. But Boaz's name, I love the... The, how every name has a meaning. So Boaz's name means strength is in him. Now last week, Kilion and um, Malon, their names meant sickly and spent. And so Ruth is like, you know, Boaz is like strength is in him. Like evidently Boaz was just like, maybe he was like a, he sounds like he was a stud. You know, you ever had like the high school quarterbacks got the perfect smile and everybody's like, God, I want to be that guy. You know, well, Troy, you're five foot nothing, and, you know, if you were a few inches shorter, you'd be a perfect circle. <laughs> but Boaz, he's like, strength in me. Like, it, that's what it means. And so I have no doubt by the way that he's already worded and what we're going to see in how he treats Ruth is that he is a godly man. And so that strength within him is because of who is in him and who he follows, and that's his God. The second thing we learn in verses 1 through 7 is we, we learn a little bit more about Ruth. And the second thing is, is she is a woman of character. She's a woman of character. Her name literally means companion, friend, and get this last part, a vision of beauty. Ladies, if you're here with your husband today, he doesn't need to take you to a chick flick. We've got it right here. We've got the leading role man who is strong and wealthy and has good character. And then we've got the, the beauty, Ruth, who's a good friend and a good companion. But here's the thing. In verse 2, we see why she gets that title. Because, and Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, go, my daughter. She was, not, she was not a slave to Naomi. Naomi didn't say, go to the field and you do this. Ruth said to Naomi, let me go and go into this field where I can glean and, and maybe I will find a, a suitor that will, you know, will find favor with me or somebody who will allow us to be in their field to where we can eat. Now, in those days, the reapers would go and they would reap in the field and they would like uh, 
and what was left, they would tell to leave behind. Like if they didn't have some that had fallen to the side or was set to the side, that was for like widows, which would have been Naomi and Ruth, and orphans. And, and, the, and so that was the way that they took care of their poor. And so they would go into the field and they would glean what was left laying in the field. And so that's what Ruth was going to do. But it shows that she is a good friend and a good companion. And of course, we saw that in chapter 1 when she follows Naomi back to Bethlehem. We see this picture that she is a friend. She is a companion. She is someone that can be trusted. And so this tells me two things that we learn from Ruth and, and Boaz is this. is We should be a person of character. We should be a person that lets people know that we, the, that we follow the Lord. And then the second thing is we should be a good friend to those. And we should help those who are in need. And so we see these two beautiful things from them. And then in verse 7, we also see about Ruth that she's humble. Because it said, she said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she has continued from early morning until now except for a short rest. She didn't come in and demand like, hey, I'm busting up in your field and I'm taking what's here because we need it. She said, can I please? So she's a humble person. She's not a, a boastful. She's not an arrogant person. She's saying, look, if I'm able to, may I please be able to glean from your fields? And so we see God at work and we're going to see even more of him at work as we start reading through this, but we see God at work through a man and a woman that he is preparing for each other. My wife and I, when we, when we dated, uh, I remember she went to a, a camp where she worked with uh, little kids at Camp Garraway, I think is where she went. And So uh, if you've never read the book, it's called, if, if you have children who are getting close to that dating age, there's a book called Passion and Purity by Elizabeth Elliot. It's one of my all-time favorite books. And I bought that book and I read it and then I, I gave it to, to Robbie when we were dating. And I sent it to her at camp. And the story of Elizabeth Elliot was her husband was Jim Elliot who was killed on the mission field. And it was their story of how they dated and how she was going on the mission field and he was going on the mission field and they were separating from each other and it talked about this passion and purity to where they had like this passion for each other but they wanted to keep this purity amongst themselves. And so I, I sent that to Robbie and I wrote a note in it and I said, um, I'm going to try and remember this, I wish I brought it with me. Uh, not in my time, but his time. Not in our will, but his will, and not within my love, but his love. That's why she married me. <laughs> but I, I meant that because God has got two godly people that were seeking him. I was going to work at a church. She was going to work at this camp. God was working in our lives. That didn't mean we were perfect. We made mistakes. We were dumb and, and dating, and we're, we're dumb in marriage today. But, but here's the thing. When two godly people have the character that God has placed within them, when two godly people use what, is, what, what God has placed for them, and he's laying this out. We talked about last week of the providence of God, which basically means that, that God's care, protective care over us. And so God's providence is at work already as they get to Bethlehem. And as we continue to read here in a minute, we're going to see a little more of that. 
Because uh, the third thing I want you to realize is God's mercy was at work. God's mercy, God's grace, it was at work. All right, you remember I told you to underline that, um, happened to come to? So I want to pick that back up in verse 3 in chapter 2. It says, so she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the field that belonged to Boaz. She, in other words, she happened, like she didn't know it was Boaz. She didn't know Boaz's connection to uh, Naomi. Na, uh, in case you haven't picked up on this, Naomi and Boaz, he, can, he is a possible kinsman redeemer. He's not the first in line, he's the second in line. There's another guy we're going to get to later that he's, it sounds so weird saying, he actually has dibs on Ruth before Boaz can uh, go after Ruth. And so... Um, as we see this line up, God's mercy and grace, she just happened to come to the field that Boaz was at. Also, I love it when you read up in here when Boaz is saying, he says, uh, then Boaz said, this is in verse 5, he says, then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? Question mark. Now, I read a lot of commentaries and nobody really hit on that, but to me, I was like, Ruth's name meant vision of beauty. And then he's like, whose young woman is that across the field? How many of you remember being young, going to the mall or something, like, who is that? That's your third cousin. <laughs> but we see this picture. If he sees her across the field, because this is God's providence, his protective care. He's lining this out. He notices her, and he wants to know more about her. So he's talking to his reapers and saying, well, what has she been doing? He's like, well, she's been here, and she's been working pretty much since she's got here. So that tells us, one, that Ruth was a hard worker. God plants our paths and our steps. In Proverbs 16, chapter 3, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will, es will be established. So she's putting in this work. She knows that she has to eat. She knows that her and Naomi have to be taken care of. She chooses to do this out of friendship and out of need. But God's providence, his protective care, sends her to the right place at the right time to where this union is going to take place. So God directed her paths. In Proverbs 16:9, I love this, says, The heart of man plans his way but the Lord establishes his steps. In other words, when Robbie and I were dating, we had this plan, or I had this plan. We had, I had all this stuff working out, and, and I knew it was what was in my heart, but I had to let the Lord guide me through those steps. I love how God works through not only Ruth and, and Boaz, but we, we even see that in our own lives. Now, Robbie and I, we broke up one time when we were in college. And so um, I broke up with her. She lived in Nashville. She took off and went back to Nashville. I went back home, and I was looking through my wallet, and I had a JCPenney's credit card that her mother had given me because I was, we were buying her a dress, and I had this credit card, and I thought, well, I, I mean, I guess I'll just have to take it back to her. I guess I could have put it in the mail, but um, I, I knew my heart, and God was forming my steps and so I didn't tell Robbie I was coming I loaded up in my truck and I drove four hours to Nashville to take back a credit card that I could have easily uh, sent in the mail or something 
Because I knew God's timing was right and God was guiding my steps. And so his providence, when we seek him with our hearts, he guides our steps. And here's the thing, sometimes he doesn't guide our steps exactly where we want to go because there's been plenty of times where my heart has wanted something and God went, I need you to step over here and he helped steer me away from something that I didn't need to be a part of. In verses 8 through 10, what we see even more of this beautiful story. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one. Uh-oh, hello, Boaz. You don't have to go anywhere else, baby. You can stay right here in this field. But keep close to my young woman, women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? Now, the reason he points this out is because she's a Moabite woman, and there were probably people within Bethlehem that wanted to harm her or harm to come to her. And so he, he charges his men. He says, don't you touch her. And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? Our next point is kindness shown to those. There is kindness shown to those who are humble. When we are humble in ourselves, when we're humble through the Lord, then kindness is shown to those who are humble. Nobody likes a haughty person. Nobody likes a prideful, puffed up, boasting person. And, and that humbleness, that doesn't mean weak or meek or anything like that. It just means they're humble in things to where they know that it's not in their power, it's God's. And so she is taken back by his kindness that she ends up and she bows. And she says, why have I found this favor in you? Well, first of all, he, I think he likes you, Ruth. Maybe just a little. In James chapter 4, verse 6, it says, oh, wrong place. Um, it says this. But he gives more grace. Therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So if God opposes the proud, and, and this is in chapter 4 of James, where he's actually basically warning them about worldliness. And so he's saying to them, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And so Ruth in this time is being humble and she's being humbled by the kindness from Boaz. And so we see this that, um, I'm going to skip ahead to four, verse 14 because I want you to see this. Not only is she humbled of his kindness, he even gets more kind. Like he becomes more kind. Let's just start in verse 11. Instead of going to 14, it says, But Boaz answered her. This is after she said, she said why, why have you taken notice? I, I'm a foreigner. Why, why are you being kind to me? 
That should tell me that when we run across anyone in our past as believers that we know are here, no matter how they got here, that we should be kind and loving to those people that God created the same way that he created us. It says, but Boaz answered her, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. And how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before, the Lord repay you, the Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. Now this is where he, even, he kicks it up a notch. So guys, listen, before she's been eating at Taco Bell, She's just been picking up what's been laying around. He's fixing to take her somewhere somewhere fancy, like a really fancy restaurant, like Pizza Hut. I'm kidding. He's taking her somewhere swanky because this is what it says. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed to her roasted grain and she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And also pull out some from the bundles for her, and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. So he's saying, even pull out more than what's left behind. Let her take from the good stuff and, and take care of her. And so Boaz is in love at this point. I mean, he's not in love, but Boaz is digging Ruth or he wouldn't be doing this. But also he's treating her very kind because of the kindness that she has shown one of his relatives. And so, listen, kindness does not always go seen. Sometimes kindness goes unseen. And so when I, I, I hate the news, I, I hate watching WTVA, I hate reading Fox, I hate reading anything that I read or CNN or whatever I get, because it's all just the worst news possible. And we don't hear the good things and the good stuff that's happening in this world because there are good stuff. There are godly people that are doing amazing things, but we don't get those reports. But Ruth's love for Naomi and taking care of Naomi has not gone unnoticed. I want to talk about the fifth thing, and it's that we should take refuge in the Lord. We should take refuge in who God is. Because Boaz tells her, he says to her, Oh. He says, lest your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. I have not charged young men to touch you. Um, she talks about she's a foreigner. He continues to, but Boaz answered her, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me and how you left your father and mother in your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. 
the Lord repay for you what you have done, and a full reward given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. This line where it says, wings, you, the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Listen, in our life, and as bad as it gets, and what's happening in our life, when we allow ourselves to be put under the protective care, the wings of the Lord. So out back here sometimes we get these, I don't know what kind of birds they are, but they don't have nests up in trees, they're on the ground out back. We get them every year and their eggs will be on the ground and you'll see that this mama bird will sit down on them. They're literally right out back here in the church and they will put their wings over them like this, like they're protecting their eggs. And so I love to go out there and take my kids because when they were little, it scared the mess out of them because when you would walk up close to it, that bird would be like, and it would just come right like running at you. And I'm sitting there going, boy, that is one brave bird because all I got to do is step on it. But then it would go back and it would sit on those eggs and it would do its wings like this. And so what God is doing is this picture of God is like this, this, we're under the shadow of his wings. He's like this eagle that is protecting us and, and the, his, he casts a long shadow. He casts a, a wide shadow. And so he covers those of us who need the refuge, who need rest, Boaz was protective of Ruth too because she's kind of under the protection of his order of his field. He told his men not to touch her. He told her to stay close to his other servant women that were in the field so that she'll be safe and not be caught out by herself in a foreign land where she's not liked. When we take refuge and who God is. It's a beautiful thing. Psalm 57, 1, it says, Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me. For in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. Listen, we learned in chapter 1 that Naomi was going through a storm. But God offers us refuge until the storms of destruction pass. And so we're seeing in this story that Naomi, Naomi is just waiting because she's under the protective care. She thinks that God wants nothing to do with her. She thinks that she's bitter and that she's empty, but God is covering her. I want to pick this story back up in verses 17 through 23 to end the chapter out. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah, which is um, 5.5 gallons, I read. Basically like a five-gallon bucket, which was about two weeks' supplies for Naomi and Ruth. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned, she also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being at Pizza Hut. 
And her mother-in-law said to her, where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, the man is a close relative of ours and one of our redeemers. If you got your Bible, I want you to underline redeemers. We're not going to talk about that today, but we're going to come back to that. I want you to underline redeemers. And, and as we get into the rest of this month or this week, so we're going to talk about that. He is one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter. You notice she didn't say daughter-in-law? She said, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvests. And she lived with her mother-in-law. Naomi is getting excited. <laughs> Naomi's like, she left, she left full and came back to Bethlehem empty. She was bitter. But what may be empty now, God will fill later. What may be empty now, God will fill later. This is what I think is amazing. When, we, when I read that scripture in Psalm where it talks about the wings and when the devastating storms shall pass, that he's in his protective care, we're seeing a break in the clouds of the storm that Naomi's had. This little small glimmer of, of light has come through the dark clouds. And we... You know, verse 20, she gets kind of uh, a little bit excited. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living and the dead. So this is a person who not too long before this was saying that, that she was bitter, that God was dealing with her, that she was being punished by God. And we see all of this. But then she says, May he be blessed by the Lord. I know we're running... A little short on time, but I want to close with this. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 23, you may be going through a storm. You may need to take refuge in the Lord. What Ephesians is talking about here is this is a prayer for spiritual strength when you have no physical, fleshly strength left. Verse 14, it says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He might grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you begin, that, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength and to comprehend with all the saints what is breadth, length, height, 
depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church. In Christ Jesus throughout all generations. Forever and ever. Amen. When we look at what God's fixing to do through Ruth and Boaz will affect the world, will affect us, if it's affecting us now, will affect the generation that is to come past us, my kids and my kids' kids and their kids until the Lord Jesus comes back. They are setting in motion something that is beautiful. My prayer for you this morning is this. You may be in a devastating storm right now. Hunker down under the wings of the Lord. And then as that storm passes and light starts to shine, God's glory, God's hope, God's peace, God's mercy, God's grace is always there. If you're here and you don't know him, cannot begin to tell you that in my life in the things that have happened in my life that I would have never been able to do or be able to get through without him without his providence, his protective care and if you're here and you don't know him that's my prayer if you're here and you know him you know what you're supposed to do men, Father's Day Your family needs more than a financial supporter. It's just all there is to it. Your sons, your daughters, they need to see you be the spiritual leader of character that you need to be. Wives, women, you need to be a woman of character. You need to be a woman that is willing to be a friend, that is willing to follow God, who's willing to step outside of your comfort zone into something that you may not be comfortable with. Let me pray for you. Father God, I pray for those who are here this morning that you will continue to protect us, to place your loving wings around us. And God, just... Do what you do best, Father. God, you know the hearts of those who are here. And just like in Ephesians, you, I pray that your spirit will come and indwell within someone. That your spirit will stir a heart that is here that needs you. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. You guys stand with me for a second. Let's give God all the praise. And let's pray and let's sing and let's let him know that we are grateful that he is our protector. Sing with us.